Our lives aren't like they used to be. They're busier. Early morning Zooms, grabbing coffee to make that in-office meeting, getting to your kid's soccer game on time. Life is different, and so is advertising. To reach any audience, you need your message out there in all media, broadcast to streaming, on screens, and right to the ears of your customers. And that's what we do at Odyssey. Let's build a media campaign that targets the customers you know and want to reach more of. Right here in our community. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome, welcome to the Bay Area Panthers Pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Kiddings. Yes, it's episode number 14 of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Mark Grandy with you. We'll hear from Evan Giddings in just a moment. Also, we've got Bay Area Panthers head coach Kurt Bryant on the line. We'll get to him in just a minute. We're talking the Panthers' loss down in Tucson with coach Kurt Bryant. What's ahead for the Bay Area Panthers? Some uh, updates, roster updates, injury updates, all that sort of thing. And then, of course, Evan and I will break down the game down in Tucson for the Bay Area Panthers, a 58-33 loss on Saturday. We'll look ahead to what's coming up this weekend. The Panthers down in San Diego against the Strike Force, and we'll take a look around the league as well at the very end. So all that is coming up here on the Bay Area Panthers pod. But again, as promised, can't keep him waiting any longer. It's head coach of the Panthers, Kurt Bryan, with us here on the Bay Area Panthers pod. Coach, we appreciate you taking out the time. As always, thank you so much. How you doing? Oh, good, good. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Mark. And, you know, we're getting ready for San Diego going down there this Saturday night, Father's Day weekend. Yeah, we'll certainly ask you about that here coming up in a little bit. First, though, we got to rewind just a bit to this past weekend. You guys were down in Arizona, where it seems like you guys have been for half the season at this point. Uh, you fall to Tucson 58-33. to You go into that game, you know, playing with your second-string quarterback, Vincent Espinoza, making his second straight start. Unfortunately, your starter, Joe Newman, couldn't get out there. But you guys started really well. You had multiple leads in that first quarter. But the second quarter was dominated by Tucson. They get out to a lead, and ultimately they win 58-33. to I know you guys wanted to get a win on the road, uh, but what did you see overall from your team? Did the hot start, the offense rolling early, but things kind of fell apart in that second quarter? Yeah, I mean, you know, good teams are always going to make you look like you're struggling more. And, you know, after, you know, taking a shellacking the week before against the Arizona Rattlers, we really do preach that the prior game has nothing to do with the upcoming game. And fortunately, that was self-evident in the first quarter. We came out firing, and Espinoza did a fantastic job. Our offensive line, Dwayne Gary, the receivers, everybody was hitting on all cylinders. So I was really pleased to see that. And then, um, you know, they made a couple of stops on us, and we couldn't stop them, and, and they got the better of us. And, and the game got away a little bit until we uh, started playing better a little bit later. Speaking of Vincent Espinoza, I know that he was kind of thrust into a tough spot the week prior against perhaps the number one team at the time in the IFL in Arizona, and then now gets a full week of preparation, a second full week, I should say, against Tucson going down and facing the Sugar Skulls. Statistically, a pretty solid game. Five total touchdowns, did it both through the air as well as on the ground. 
What did you make of his performance, especially as someone who wasn't necessarily expecting two weeks ago to be your starting quarterback? Yeah, no, that's a great question. In fact, you know, looking at, at Vincent Espinosa, one of the things that we really like about him is his mental toughness. And let me give you some examples. So he was the first quarterback that we signed um, as a new franchise. And obviously it didn't work out for him because a training camp didn't go as well as he had hoped. But he's a pro. He's a vet. He understood. So when we released him at the end of training camp, he went and he got picked up by a team in the CIF. And he got some work there, played a couple games there. We needed him. Obviously, he came back. And then um, uh, we were full again, and we had to let him go. So you're talking about a player that was released twice by the Panthers. We have a great deal of football love and respect for Vincent and vice versa. He's made that clear. So when I called him and we needed him to come back a third time, he was ready. And then his preparation, you're right, getting thrown in against the Rattlers, that was a very difficult situation, especially after we played them so well the week before. But I had a great feeling. I told Vincent he's going to have his best game ever as a pro on Saturday night against Tucson, and that's exactly what he did. He looked outstanding most of the game, made great decisions, um, really only made one bad throw, and um, had a couple of key passes dropped respectfully by uh, uh, some of our wide receivers who couldn't catch him all that night. We're catching up with Coach Brian, head coach of the Bay Area Panthers, here on the Bay Area Panthers pod. And, and Coach, you know, I think back to a conversation that us three had at SAP Center a number of weeks ago, I think over a month ago now, uh, it was, I think, maybe the second or third start for Joe Newman as the starting quarterback of the team. And you told us that things are really starting to slow down for him now, unfortunately, with the injury. But now it provides this opportunity for Vincent Espinoza. You're kind of talking about him performing better, and you could see it kind of in practice leading up to that game last week. Did you see something similar in him where you could kind of see the game slowing down now that he's getting you know, those consistent reps and, and that consistent opportunity to play in this league. Yeah, and in fact, you go back to the to the game against the Arizona Rattlers when Joe Newman was starting in Phoenix, and, and he looked fabulous, right? And again, all credit due to the offensive line and the supporting cast, but you got to have a quarterback that can execute the offense well. And so uh, with Vincent, same thing. Um, more reps, more comfortable, more consistent, but also a chip on his shoulder because he wanted to prove to himself and to his teammates and to the coaching staff that he could make the key plays and could um, execute our offense at a very high level. And obviously that's what we're hoping for and even more against San Diego upcoming. KB, I know that's throughout the season, you guys have obviously been on the road kind of off and on. It seemed like every other game beginning of the season and towards the middle of the season, you had the back-to-back games down in the desert. But now you're in the middle of a three-game road stretch, the longest of the season. What is the preparation like, and how is it different from when you're at home? You know, the team is practicing out Livermore, the home stadiums in San Jose, but now you go from Tucson. Do you go straight to San Diego? Do you come back? What does a week of road preparation look like for the Bay Area Panthers amidst their longest road stretch of the season? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, number one, obviously going to the Southwest so much, that was interesting. It's almost like we had a second home down there. And then in terms of three road games in a row, you know you're traveling a lot when the uh, clerks at the checkout counter at the airport know your first name. So without even asking you for your ID, and they're great, and they root for us. You know, they always say, go Panthers. 
So that makes the players feel good. You lose a day of practice, obviously, when you travel, so you have to kind of make it up on a shorter week. But more importantly is, you know, we're on the mission of two right now. Number one is get our second win of the season. Number two is we want our first road win in the history of our franchise. And then uh, number three is we want our owner, Roy Choi, to get his, uh, the first time ever that he's owned a team to have two wins in a season, in the same season. So this is a big deal for us. We know San Diego is going to be gunning for us because we got him on the last play of the game in the opener. Um, you know, at this point in the season, everybody's banged up. We're just going to throw everything we can at San Diego to come out with a win. Coach, I wanted to ask you, I know you guys like to keep, uh, you know, injuries and status under wraps, but what can you share with us and, and with your fans in regards to, to some of those injuries? Joe Newman's now missed a couple of games. Um, you know, Adam Sheffield, one of your, you know, the offensive linemen that you lean on did not play uh, this last weekend down in Tucson. I know there are some other guys that have been in and out of the lineup recently. What are you able to share with us about about some of those injuries that you're referencing there to some of your key guys? Well, when Joe uh, Newman got hurt um, uh, late in the second quarter at the Arizona Rattlers in Phoenix on Memorial Day weekend, he ended up playing the rest of the game. I mean, just a true soldier. And then, you know, the original diagnosis was uh, he's probably going to be out short-term for a few weeks, uh, you know, one to three weeks. But then upon further review, our medical team is thinking it might be a little bit more serious than that, and we might have to put him on season-ending IR, but we're waiting for a second opinion on that. We have great team doctors, but it's always good to get a second opinion. So if we do have to put Joe on season-ending IR, that would, you know, that would just suck for everybody, especially for Joe, because he was just just really starting to take off the runway in terms of his performance and ramp up. But um, that means that Vincent Espinoza and Isaac Hurd, who also came off a short-term IR, um, they just have to pick up the slack and everybody else. In terms of Adam Sheffield, uh, our, our left guard, you know, we put him on short-term IR, and we're kind of taking that week to week. So we have to wait and see there. And then Jeffrey Allison, our outstanding middle linebacker, has been on short-term IR. He will come off of short-term IR during the bye week and he will be ready for Las Vegas. I want to ask you about a couple of, of new players that you signed as well, perhaps you know, in relation to some of those injuries you're talking about. I know you guys um, got a new offensive lineman who played a lot over the weekend. You also signed a new running back. What can you tell us about those guys? Sure. So we signed um, Joel Galvin from the Sioux Falls Storm. He was a rookie offensive lineman, got released when one of their veterans came back. He's been a big addition, especially because, you know, um, Adam went out with the injury. So that makes a, a big difference. And then uh, another player that we signed from the Sioux Falls Storm, we almost signed back in uh, January or early February. We were taking a very strong look at him, wide receiver Isaiah Thomas. Uh, first team all-conference receiver and kick returner and punt returner. Very dynamic, uh, very tough. Not a big physical player, but he plays bigger than he is. Um, works very hard in practice, never takes a playoff, obviously had a nice touchdown catch and some other nice plays against Tucson, and we expect more out of him this week against San Diego. And um, he's going to be um, um, key for us if we're going to win down there and, and earn the victory. Coach, you come into this weekend with the fifth-best fifth rushing offense in the IFL, and I'm just curious because – 
Aesthetically, the last few weeks, Mark and I have been talking about how it seems like the quarterbacks have become more comfortable in throwing the ball, but obviously you still managed to have a great amount of attempts on the ground, uh, kind of you know throwing out the the game a couple weeks ago against Arizona as a bit of an outlier. The last three weeks, you know, looking at 16 attempts on the ground, 22 attempts on the ground, 15 plus. It seems like you guys have been able to maintain that that sort of uh, game plan that you walked into the season with, with trying to run the ball and establish the run. Where do you think it is at this point as far as you know effectiveness? Obviously, top five still in the league. Do you still feel like running the football is this team's strength? But And also, how have you seen the offense maybe complement the run with the pass as well? So, you know, obviously you know, injuries and stuff like that I really adjusted our game plan week to week. The first, mm, I would say, eight games of the season, let's say, just shuffling offensive linemen. I believe I heard that we've used five different centers so far. Obviously, we have a great center now in uh, Apimani. So stability at the offensive line dictates what you can do offensively. And having a very good uh, and dependable offensive line and cohesive offensive line unit makes the running back better, makes the running game better, makes the quarterback better, uh, obviously running and, more importantly, throwing the football. So to answer your question, we have run the ball 52% of the time so far this year. So when you run the ball 52% of the time, obviously you're doing some things well, but we want to be equally dangerous throwing the football. So if we're running 45 to 50 offensive plays a game, and we're, uh, let's say, running the football 20 times to 22 times in there, we want to be balanced. However, we're not stubborn. If we got to throw it 35 times a game to win, we will. And if we have to run it 25 to 30 times a game to win, we will. And it's, it's starting to show because you look at the Northern Arizona game, the third time we played them, that game was close for a lot of the game. You look, obviously, at the game against the Rattlers in Phoenix on Memorial Day weekend. We had two or three chances to put that game away. We weren't mature enough yet to convert on all those plays, and we didn't. And then you look at, a, would say, a good 40% to 50% of this game against Tucson. You know, we came out and punched them right in the mouth. Boom, 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 two scores, bang, bang. All of a sudden, we're up 14-13 in the first quarter. So we are getting there. You know, in the last eight games, the quarterbacks have thrown – 14 touchdown passes and only five interceptions. And that has a lot to do with the continuity of the offensive line, being more comfortable with the rookie quarterback, Joe, and the younger veteran, um, obviously, with Vincent. And then the running game, obviously, Dwayne's been fabulous all year long. To follow up on that and understanding that, like you mentioned, the combinations and rotating cast of offensive linemen have made things more difficult than you would like to have, but... Is there a specific number in terms of, I don't know if it's yards per carry, yards per game, simply attempts? Is there a number that you have sort of penciled in your mind as opposed to uh, trying to figure out what exactly is the most effective way to implement that run-heavy scheme that you have? Yeah, so if you look at the top teams offensively in the IFL, um, six out of the eight are really effective running and throwing the football. Because, obviously, when you drop back to pass and you throw it, um, you know, not everything good can happen every time. If you can keep the other team off balance by having an effective running game, whether that's 
three and a half to 3.8, 3.9 yards a carry. That's where we're at right now, 3.9 yards a carry. And then in terms of throwing the football, if you're um, completing anywhere between 50 and 65% of your passes or more, you're going to be a dangerous team. So we want to be balanced but equally adept at throwing or running the ball as we see fit in order to put the game away and win. We're catching up with uh, Barrier Panthers head coach Kurt Bryan here on the Barrier Panthers pod. Coach, we'll get you out of here in a minute. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the game coming up this weekend. You're down in San Diego against the Strike Force. Of course, this is the team that you played, you know, first game in Barrier Panthers history against, and you won in dramatic fashion way back in, in March. Unfortunately, the, the season hasn't gone the way that you would have liked it to go since then. You've lost your last 11 games. San Diego, they're 2-10 overall. They've picked up a couple of wins throughout the season. Obviously, your guys' goals to start the year were were higher than beating San Diego twice, but how important and how much of a measuring stick is a game like this, knowing that you beat them last time? What do you want to see from from your team playing them a second time? Of course, your team is, is way different, and I'm sure San Diego is as well, but what do you want to see, and how might you be measuring yourself specifically in this matchup against a team you've already beat? So when you have, especially in the game of football, because it's such a tough game mentally and physically, when you have two teams that are at the bottom of their division, in this case the Western Division or the Western Conference, in terms of Bay Area and San Diego, oftentimes it can be a classic matchup because the teams are fighting it out. They don't want to be in last place. So if we earn the win against San Diego, we'll have the same record after the game's over. But in terms of head-to-head matchup, we'll be 2-0 and against them. We'll move up into sixth place in our division. That is a huge deal for us, besides our first road win, et cetera, et cetera, like we talked about a few minutes ago. And in terms of a measuring stick, yeah, I mean, they have you know different quarterbacks than when they had. I think they've upgraded there. Devontae's their tailback. He's fantastic. It's going to be a great football game. And at the end of the night, uh, we want to have at least one more point than they do so we earn the win. Coach, there's quite a bit of separation between, obviously, your win against them and the game now, you know, looking at approximately 14 weeks. When you're prepping for San Diego, understanding your team is different, their team is different, how much can you take from the first game outside of holding it as, you know, the victory, we got this one thing that we can hold over them? Do you even look at tape from game one, or do you completely scrap it and create a brand new game plan for potentially a brand new team in San Diego? Yeah, so what you do is you watch uh, San Diego's last four or five games that they've played recently. You go back and you watch the first game of the season, and you see what those base similarities are. So you establish that. Let's say there's maybe 35 to 50% of their base OD and special teams that they're doing the same. And then you look at the last four or five games and you see what they're doing well, what they're doing differently, and where they might be going with it. Sometimes teams will put in three or four plays offensively, and then you can see where they want to take it, even though they haven't shown it yet. So you'll add that, or defensively as well. And then you look at their personnel. Um, Anytime a team has their best personnel in, or their number ones across the board, they're going to be better. Unless they have a sleeper type of player, that has the chip on his shoulder, like a Vincent Espinoza, okay, like an Isaiah Thomas or other positions on their team or our team, and maybe that guy's going to make them better because they have 
fresher legs and something to prove. So that's what we're looking at right now, those things. Interesting. All right, well, that's all we got for you, Coach. Really appreciate you taking out the time, and uh, best of luck uh, down on uh, down in San Diego on Saturday. Okay, thanks so much, guys. Talk go, to you soon. Go get him, Coach. And welcome back to the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Mark Randy, Evan Giddings with you. Thanks again to uh, Coach Kurt Bryan, who you just heard from, joining us here on the pod, as he does every few weeks. Uh, another really great interview, Evan, with uh, Coach Kurt Bryan. He's always very open, honest, and, and and thoughtful with us, and we certainly appreciate his time. Uh, I think, you know, w- when you look back at what happened last week for the Panthers, Evan, that, that loss down in Tucson, uh, final score 58-33, to it's again a, the story of, of the season, which is the Panthers just simply have not put together a full 60 minutes yet this year. You know, they got out to a hot start. They led 14 to 6. They led 14 to 13 after the first quarter. But Tucson, at one point, they go on a 28 to nothing run. That's happened a number of times so far this year. The Panthers, again, despite, you know, playing with their backup quarterback, and we got some unfortunate news from Coach Kurt Bryan about Joe Newman. We'll talk about that as well. But Despite, you know, all these issues, these challenges, they're they're playing good football in stretches, Evan, but they just can't put it together for four quarters. And when you do that against a quality team like Tucson, they got above 500 now. They have an MVP candidate at quarterback in Daquan Neal. You're not going to win many football games when you can't play a full four quarters. And Tucson was also coming off of a one score, really a one possession loss to Northern Arizona the week before. They're a team that plays better at home this season than they have on the road, and they're coming off a tough loss. So, you know, they're looking for a bounce-back game. Obviously, Bay Area is trying to get up off the canvas, but a tough matchup. And it's it's difficult because you don't want to say that they regressed, especially with the way that they had played two weeks ago against Arizona, or two weeks prior against Arizona, the first meeting in which they had, you know, an opportunity late in the fourth quarter to potentially take the lead against the number one or two team in the IFL. But it did feel eerily similar to sort of the first half of the season, those first six or seven games after game one, where they had a strong start in the first quarter, maybe didn't finish that quarter as strongly as they could, left the door open, and then their opponent, in this case Tucson, capitalized with a 24-point second quarter and you know sort of drove the nail home early in the first half and the Panthers weren't able to make the necessary adjustments at the half. Again, injuries do play a factor in this. You don't have your starting quarterback. Offensive line, as we've talked about, has been you know a rotating door, as we literally mentioned with, with Coach Kurt Bryan. And he's not a guy that's going to make excuses for it because he understands the situation that he's in, but it does play a factor. And so, you know, against a team like Tucson, which is one of the, the few teams in, in the West that they hadn't seen before, yeah. and we'll see again very soon... Um, you know, I thought the effort was solid, but again, it's just not enough. And so the question is, how do they finally get over the hurdle? How do they find whatever it takes inside of you know them? Whether it's it's prepping before it, it's it, maybe that it's a scout issue, you know, whether it's just simply in the this that locker room at halftime trying to muster whatever that extra inch is to be able to get past this 11 game losing streak at this point they just simply got to figure it out but I was glad to hear that Kurt Bryan in his thoughtful answers like you mentioned appears to be you know not necessarily overreacting to the losing streak to these tough L's it seems like he has been a man of process 
and I hope that eventually he'll be rewarded with a win because he does have his head on straight. His answers, I can tell that he understands what it takes to be successful in this league. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, agreed. And you look at, you know, when did this game kind of, you know, turn? The Panthers were up 14-6. to Vincent Espinoza, we'll talk about him a little bit more in a sec. Two touchdown runs for him in the first quarter, putting the Panthers up 14-6. to And then, you know, Tucson answered quickly. They got back within a point on a Mike Jones touchdown run. He was in the end zone all game long. But then the game turned after that. The Panthers get the ball back. They have it at the start of the second quarter, leading by a point. They're facing a fourth and two. They go for it. Vincent Espinoza rolls right, throws off balance deep down the middle of the field, a bit too far for his intended target. It's incomplete. It's a turnover on downs. And the uh, the Sugar Skulls get it, you know, deep, you know, already close to the end zone. They score on just one play. Suddenly they take a lead. And then the next possession for the Panthers, a long field goal attempt by Stevie Arteague is blocked. And the Sugar Skulls get it back. Great field position. Again, they score. Suddenly they're up 27 to 14, about 745 to go in the first half. You think, all right. Calm down, get the ball back, drive down and score, get back within a single score at halftime maybe. Well, Tucson doesn't even give you a chance. They go for an onside kick, they get the ball, they score again. Suddenly it's 34-14 to with less than two minutes to go in the first half. It's a 28 nothing run in about a quarter, spanning the end of the first quarter and the first 13-14 minutes of the second quarter. The Panthers did stop the bleeding with a Daniel Crowell Jr. touchdown late in that first half. But that, you know, 10, 12, 13-minute stretch where they score 28 points, they block a field goal attempt, this being Tucson, they recover an onside kick, that was enough to decide the game because the Panthers, they played pretty good football the rest of the game besides those 12, 13, 14 minutes. And if you look at the total yardage, it's pretty even. You know, 155 yards passing for Bay Area. You look at Tucson and they're... 157. You look at the ground game, 78 yards for the Panthers, 84 for Tucson. The difference is, like you mentioned, just kind of in that stretch. And it, it's it been a, a little bit of a factor that I've paid attention to, but the amount of, you know, in, in the NFL or in college, it's, it's the three and out, right? You know, you come onto the field, defense has a little bit of a break, kick it to the other side. And the IFL, I don't know if it's necessarily a term, but I'll just call it a four and out those the four and outs have really hurt the Panthers this season because number one you give the team you're looking at very good field position so they're almost guaranteed points on the plus side of the field and two you don't allow a defense or your defense much time to get a breather against a Sugar Skulls team who is you know proven throughout the season they are potent offensively and they do capitalize when you give them chances. So the four and outs throughout this year have really hurt the Panthers and for some reason they you know they've kind of tended to come towards the tail end of the first, beginning of the second quarter and and I don't know if it's because you know the Panthers have done a fantastic job of scripting the, the that first drive, the second drive and then the opposition has had a chance to adjust and they make the necessary adjustments, but they got to figure out a way to sustain drives because when they do, they're fantastic. When they move the ball, especially on first down and have success early in the possession, good results tend to happen like the first two drives for Vincent Espinosa capped off 24 yard run, you know, a shorter run for the second touchdown. So they have to figure out some sort of way to be successful early in the possession. I think that that 
will help them not only literally sustain the drives, but also just mentally be in a better space and get into a rhythm, which is what Espinoza was with his legs, and then unfortunately wasn't able to do it consistently early in the first half with his arm. Yeah, and he, he clearly was the positive in this game. Again, it was a 58-33 to loss. Tucson knocked off the Panthers down in Arizona, but Vincent Espinoza making his second straight start after the injury to Joe Newman. And as you just heard from Coach Kurt Bryan, really unfortunate news. An injury that we thought originally was relatively minor. We thought he might have played that second game against Arizona. You know, unfortunately was not good enough to go. And and now, you know, one medical opinion is that this could potentially be season-ending. We, of, of course, knock on wood and hope it's not because we, you know, we saw Joe Newman turn a corner recently throwing the ball. Of course, always an electric runner. But the positive in this game, without a doubt, is the play of the quarterback, Vincent Espinoza. You know, everyone was kind of under siege against Arizona a couple of weeks ago. But Vincent Espinoza, this past weekend, just a few days ago, 13-23 passing, 155 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the big number. He hooked up with Daniel Coel Jr. in the end zone twice. Also, Isaiah Thomas, the new receiver that Coach Kurt Bryan was just talking about a few minutes ago. He had a touchdown. Uh, this team doesn't matter who's at quarterback. Everyone's throwing the ball better now, and I think a lot of it has to do with the offensive line, giving whoever the signal caller is more time to throw the ball. But I was really, really impressed with what I saw from Vincent Espinoza over the weekend. He also ran for two touchdowns. Both of those came in the first quarter. He you know, combined five touchdowns for Vincent Espinoza, three through the air, two on the ground. Uh, he looked like he'd been the starting quarterback all year, the way he played this last weekend. And I believe the five total touchdowns, a season high, if not a tie for the Barrier Panthers, from the quarterback position speaking. So that's fantastic news from him, especially the way that the beginning of the game started against Arizona, where you know there was a botched snap, there was a delay of game, and he wasn't really allowed to get set. And so it was a, a fantastic sign to see him become a little more comfortable back there in the pocket, which has been an issue due to some of those offensive line issues that you laid out. I'm also looking at, you know, like KB said it himself, we're talking about the numbers that you kind of want to have as far as the IFL is concerned. Espinosa is slightly above 50%. That's much higher than the 42.9% passing uh, percentage that quarterbacks as a whole have put together this season for the Panthers. And so, you know, if you could have somewhat of a dual threat quarterback like that does so much for your offense we've seen it with other teams uh, but now that Espinoza at least for right now appears to be the guy who's going to be the starting quarterback with Joe Newman out um, I, I just hope he's able to seize the opportunity and really take it upon himself to grow in that role to develop into potentially someone that as KB mentioned was the first guy they signed as a quarterback in in camp didn't have a great camp and now it appears that that chip on his shoulder has sort of hoisted him, uh, you know, moved him into a better spot. And this team, frankly, has you know been looking for answers at that position. And so to see a guy put together as complete a performance as we've seen at the quarterback position this season, it bodes well for them going down into San Diego. I think just for their confidence to be able to say, "Hey, we got this guy in the huddle that we can trust and that we can depend on." They haven't really had that this season, primarily due to injury, and so I think that'll be a big boost. Yeah, I agree. He was really good, and I'm excited to see what he can do the rest of the season if he is 
you know, the guy that is going to be the starting quarterback. We certainly wish uh, nothing but the best for Joe Newman and, and his injury. But uh, if he's unable to go, I'm excited to see what Vincent Espinosa is capable of. And you mentioned the game coming up this weekend, which is down in San Diego against the Strike Force. We talked about it with Coach just a little bit ago. But this is a really interesting matchup because you think all the way back to the first game of the year for the Panthers it was week number two of the IFL season, but the first game for Bay Area, they won 38-33. to We were there at SAP Center. It was wild. It was back and forth. The Panthers took the lead late thanks to an incredible fourth down stop to give them the ball late in the game. Then they drive down and score, but San Diego gets the ball back. They get all the way to the goal line, but are stood up on the last play of the game after a long review. Game is over and, and the Panthers win 38 to 33 but you know as as we kind of briefly mentioned with coach Evan these two teams and, and you asked this question a really good question I mean we know the Panthers just you know from us following the Panthers all year long of course we haven't checked in on San Diego every week like we do with the Panthers but the Panthers are like an entirely different team now than they were that first game of the year San Diego very likely the same way. As Coach mentioned, a new quarterback. They've got new faces all over. They've got some former Panthers that are down there playing for them that were Panthers at the beginning of the season. So while it is like, all right, here we go again, Bay Area, San Diego, it's almost like these two teams don't know each other because of all the new faces that are featured on both teams. And they've kind of been on similar trajectories. San Diego has been in a few games that have been very close like they actually had a game against Tucson back at the end of May. That was a four-point loss, 69-65. Uh, they had, you know, a five-point loss a few weeks back against Duke City on the road, 54-59. They've been in some games, but they've been blowing out their last two games, and they've they're on a six-game slide. So you know, they're kind of in a similar position where they're trying to figure out not only who they are with people coming in and out and changing the roster but also how they want to finish their season, how they're going to find a way to get back into the win column. And so I think for for both of these teams, obviously every single week you expect to win and you do your best to create the letter W. But with both of these teams having struggled the majority of the season, I'm sure both of them are looking at this game like, hey, you know, this this is our opportunity. This is our chance to change all the things that have been going wrong for us this is the team, and of course, San Diego is looking for some revenge based on earlier in the year. Bay Area is looking at this game like, hey, we already beat this team once. I know the last 11 games haven't been what we've hoped, but this is our opportunity to get back into the win column. And so I think there's going to be some added you know, physicality. There's going to be some relationships like you talked about with some players having switched sides literally midseason. And so they're going to be very familiar with each other. The one guy that I at least from what afar that I've seen that has been the most constant person for San Diego and KB mentioned him, which is Devontae Sapp Lynch. Mm -hmm. He was very dangerous in the first game of the season running the ball, and he's sort of fallen off in terms of total yards and touchdowns. He's missed a few games, but he's still a very good and one of the best return men in the league. And so for me, the key is going to be stopping him both in the running game as well as in the return game. He's averaging about 18.5 yards per return, top five in the IFL, and four a team in San Diego who, you know, kind of feeds off of 
the three phases. Like you can't let him get going, especially on kick returns. So that to me is as a big emphasis for Bay Area this week. Yeah, San Diego two and ten on the year, one and nine in Western Conference play. Bay Area one and eleven, one and nine in conference play. Of course, that win for Bay Area was against San Diego. You mentioned San Diego's close loss to Tucson in late May. That was actually their first win of the year way back in early April when they beat Tucson by a single point on the road. They also beat Bismarck, the, the Bismarck Bucks on the road by 10 points in early May. So interesting games there for San Diego. Uh, but uh, these are the, the teams in the, uh, the the two bottom spots in the Western Conference standings. Again, San Diego 2-10, 1-9 in conference, and Bay Area 1-11, 1-9 in conference. So the winner of this game, of course, leapfrogs the other. You know, their playoff hopes, albeit relatively small at this point, do still stay alive. Uh, but uh, the, the Panthers certainly, regardless of, of what the end of this season has, uh, holds and what it has in store for them, you want to beat this San Diego team. You want to move to your get your second win of the season. You want to sweep them in, in your season series. Whether or not this game has any postseason implications and you know, let's be honest, it probably doesn't. There's still a lot that's riding. These teams desperately want to beat each other. Yeah, and Coach Brian said, you know, it's it's a number of twos, right? It could be your second win of the season, and you're also trying to capture that first and so far elusive road victory. So this isn't a game where I, I think, you know, as a Panthers fan, you can look at based on the way season is folded out and say, we got to have this game. But I'm sure if you're on the team, you feel like we got to have this game. Not because you've beaten them before, but because this is a beatable opponent in the now. Rosters have changed. They're a different group, but they are still, you know, they're compromised a little bit. And so I'm sure if you're the Panthers going in there after a tough road L against Tucson, you put together some things that were good. You got off to a great start. I expect them to continue that great start, and then it's about maintaining it for the full 60 minutes, which they have not been able to do since that first week. And so it's it's going to be an exciting game, and that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Although the Panthers haven't been as competitive as they would have liked you know, over the, over the past couple of weeks, this is a game where I expect them to show up and bring forth their best effort and hopefully put together, maybe not as close as game one, because that was a bit of a heart thumper, but... <laughs> Put together a full 60-minute effort that even if it doesn't result in a victory, you can look back on and be proud of. It's coming up on Saturday, the 18th, 7 o'clock kickoff from San Diego. 7 o'clock again. Uh, Most of the games for the Panthers this year have kicked off at 6. This is a 7 o'clock kick down in San Diego. Of course, if you're not down there to watch your Panthers in person, you can hear the game right here on 95.7 The Game. And if you're looking for Panthers tickets for their final couple of home games coming up, uh, you can visit BayAreaPanthers.com. Next home date for the Panthers, the 9th of July, when the Pirates of Massachusetts come into town. And then the week after that is the final week of the regular season when the Panthers host the Tucson Sugar Skulls, team that they just lost to down in Tucson this past weekend. Again, tickets available at BayAreaPanthers.com. One final thing, Evan, before we do say goodbye, uh... Did you happen to see what happened in the IFL game of the week this past weekend? Arizona, Northern Arizona, winner takes first place in the Western Conference standings. Winner clinches a playoff spot. It was 
a wild game in Prescott Valley. Well, I did see the final score, but I don't feel like I could really do it justice Ooh. the way you can, especially with how eloquently you just laid that out in the <laughs> IFL. Two of the top teams, two exciting teams. I know they don't get a chance to see Frisco do the Panthers this year, but obviously their opponent, very familiar. And uh, for the people, Mark, break this one down. So Northern Arizona, they led 30-28 to 28 at the end of the third quarter. It was a battle of a fourth quarter. Arizona scored about halfway through a 13-yard touchdown pass to take a 34-30 to lead. Scoreless, 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 all the way until the final minute. Down by four. Northern Arizona has the ball. They drive down 30 yards. They get the ball, you know, at the 20 at their own 20-yard line. They go 30 yards. They score with 23 seconds left to take a 37-34 to lead. They made the extra point to get that three-point lead, which was big because a field goal would then only force overtime. But Arizona gets the ball back. Kind of an awkward squib kick back to the Rattlers. They have a chance to score. They take multiple shots to the end zone, barely incomplete both times. And the final play of the game without any timeouts left for Arizona, a sack by Jaquan Artis. The clock runs out. The Wranglers celebrate on their home field. They knock off the mighty Wranglers just one year the, the the mighty Rattlers, I should say, knocked off by the Wranglers just one year after Northern Arizona won just one game. So if Panthers fans, if you're looking for a positive sign, it's these Northern Arizona Wranglers. They were really struggling last year with one win. Now they're first place in the Western Conference. They've already clinched a playoff spot. And in dramatic fashion, they just beat, you know, the the kings of the IFL, you know, the, the Arizona Rattlers. And Panthers fans, if you couldn't tell, Mark Randy's a fine play-by-play man. Rewind that last part back because I felt like I was there. <laughs> oh, come on. You laid that out beautifully, Mark. <laughs> I appreciate you for it. Thank you. Well, that's all the time we got for you on the Barrier Panthers pod. If you can't tell, we love IFL football. A lot of fun this past weekend, win or lose for the Barrier Panthers. And coming up on Saturday, it is Panthers and Strike Force in San Diego. Seven o'clock kick. You can hear it here on 95.7 The Game. For Evan Giddings, this is Mark Randy. Thanks as well to Coach Kurt Bryan of the Bay Area Panthers. And thanks for listening to this edition of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. We're back with more next week. Again, this is the Bay Area Panthers pod. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. (laughs) 